Welcome to our weekly Wednesday Shir. Israel Chag Sukkis. Wow. We just did that. We were just getting ready for Rosh Hashanah. A few short hours ago we were preparing for Rosh Hashanah. Listening to the Shaifa daily in the month of El. And we stood Rosh Hashanah in shul listening to Shefer. And we went through ten days of repentance and we went from Kippur. And there were Kaparas. So emotional. So precious. Such a, a prolific connection to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And and Yom Kippur went through. Baruch Hashem, we davened, we cried, we davened for a good year. And. And we started the preparation for the months of Chaseinu, time of our rejoicing for Sukkot. Totally, totally understanding and prepared and knowing and confident that we have been signed in for a good, happy year, Mitzvah. Shirz Nishmas, Ruzan Basrachana. I guess we may as well keep Shimon Ben Yitzchak, Mashabas Yitzchak there already. How do I know? Say it so confidently. Say it so securely. How do I actually know? Where am I in the scheme of things? Where am I in my really belief in Hashem? Where am I in my service, my Aveda to Hashem? What did I actually accomplish? Granted, I heard Shefa. I fasted and repented in Kippur. And I shook the Lulav and Asterisk together. But I don't know. I don't not feel it. I feel as a change. I feel as different. I feel that I'm not the same person, not the same persona. <coughs> I don't have the same attitude to what stereo mitzvahs that I had before. 
I feel much more secure somehow. And although I don't understand what it is that I do or don't believe, what it is that's driving me, I find myself saying, Maida'ani lefanecha in the morning. I find myself being careful about brachas of what I eat. I find myself saying Shema Yisrael at night, even if I don't know it by heart. Hamal HaGoyal or whatever people say. I find myself doing things that are were almost foreign to me not so long ago. How do I know I'm on the right track? How do I know what I'm doing is the right thing? How do I know that I'm going in the right direction? And how do I know, most importantly, what I'm thinking is real? And that my belief in HaKadosh Baruch Hu is something that's tangible. What am I hanging on to? I'm hanging on to threads as far as I understand and concern, I'm concerned. Because who am I? What am I? Where am I coming from? Who looks in my direction even? Ironically, no one ever did. But suddenly, over the last months, People are clamoring. This one's asking for advice. This one's asking to learn with them. This one is totally, totally lost. And I managed to, to bring them with me, Rosh Hashanah, to shul, to service of some sort, to hear something, to connect to something. How is this transformation happening? On what basis is it? And is it real? And can it continue? Do I want to go the whole nine yards? Do I want to take this to the next level? Am I ready to enter into my next stage of life? Have I wiped out my skeletons from my closet? Have I totally eradicated my past, and I'm ready to move on. Sometimes I feel like that. But, Baruch Hashem, HaKadosh Baruch Hu created the Yetzirah. And the Yetzirah says, Eh! It's a phase. Eh! It's only because somebody else is influencing you. Somebody else is pushing you. Somebody else is forcing you. You don't want to disappoint them. You don't want to let them down. And they can't keep going on at you. It's not real. It's not real. It doesn't have any real substance to it. It's a phase. It's going to pass. This too will pass. And that voice sounds very familiar. 
But even worse is that voice sounds very convincing. That voice sounds almost like they know me better than I know me. That voice sounds like something from within me that's very, very plausible and feasible. That voice is making me very nervous and throwing a lot of shadow of doubt on everything that I have done and everything that I stand for and everything that I've built. Do I have a strong enough foundation to continue building my edifice and to adding floors to it? Am I ready to move on? Am I strong enough within myself? Do I have enough of a support system? I, ironically, because I'm learning chitas every day, I'm, I find myself quoting the Alter Rebbe, quoting Tanya. Where do I come to the Tanya? Where do I come to the Alter Rebbe? And where do I come to be the one that quotes Tanya in a conversation with somebody else? And the person says, please, please continue, explain to me. I learned of a concept called about ten souls coming together and the Shekhinah rests. My first thought is that every ten? Is it only men? Is it women too? Why? Why does it even am I trying to be in the liberal world and trying to say, oh, this is only talking to men, not to women. Equal rights. Or is there a concept of ten women together coming together and also causing and forming a quorum, etc. And yes, neshamas are neshamas. Whether they're the ban, or whether they're the, whatever they're coming from. Male, female. If a man is um, ten men together and there are ten women together in different area or a different time, whatever it might be. Yes, they have special koiches and special kedusha resting amongst them. And by sitting and learning Torah or by davening or even birches hamazin, there are different laws that are involved for men and for women if there are ten together. We don't make a minion of women. We don't have, if you have ten million together, women together, say Kaddish, etc. They don't read the Torah. But there is definitely a strong significance of ten women coming together and learning Torah. Who am I? I sit and take stock of what just transpired of the past month. And it occurs to me, it's not the last 24 days. This has been going on for 12 months or longer. And every day, I'm doing something else. Washing Negavasa, saying Shema, 
saying brachas in the morning, saying brachas before eating. Every day something else all of a sudden means something to me, or at least I think it does. It's speaking to me. It's happening for me. I feel like I'm in, air quotes, the comfort zone with doing these things. Whereas it was so foreign to me, and so are my general family circles are totally foreign to these things. And they might even frown upon me for all the things that I do. But yet I find all of a sudden, when it comes to a Friday night, and the family is almost ready to make it look like a Shabbos meal. And there are other people making Kiddush. And things are all of a sudden not falling into place, not by the least, but giving a hint, dropping a hint, that there is something there, there is something that could be happening, there is something that could be existing. And I need to capitalize on this. I need to say to myself, and I need to believe in myself, and I need to understand that I am determined to move ahead and to forge ahead and to take the inspirations and the kachas and the tefillahs and the prayers and the tears and the joy that I just experienced throughout this wonderful, phenomenal weeks of Tishrei and I need to work on them to the concept of Yaakov Holach Ledarkoi Yaakov goes on his way and he doesn't go empty handed, he takes everything with him not his baggage not all the, the luggage and not all the peklach that don't necessarily represent good times or good life and good moments in my life I'm abandoning all, abandoning all those things and I'm ready to forge ahead with only the most phenomenal and only the most beautiful and only the most special connection to HaKadosh Baruch Hu and to Torah I never in my life imagined I would go through Chamisha Chumshet Torah all five books of Torah and every day plow through another portion and every day break my teeth on the words and every day try to grasp and understand the words of Rashi and of the Pasuk of the Torah try to understand where I'm coming from, where I'm going what it's happening and how it's happening and here we are on Simchas Torah just yesterday calling out the words Chazak, Chazak, Venis, Chazik we have finished the fifth book of Deuteronomy we have finished, completed a full cycle but we immediately started in the very next scroll Bereshis Bara Aleikim in the beginning God created but we look at the last words of the last Chumash 
of Chumish Devarim, of Vizayis Habracha, which we don't have a Shabbos Vizayis Habracha. It doesn't get its own Shabbos. It's always read on Simchas Torah. And we look at the words, the end of the Pasha, which we all call out, Chazak, Chazak Venishazik. And the last words of this Pasha are, Asher Oso Moshe Le'enei Kol Yisrael. That Moshe did for the eyes of the entire Jewish nation. Chazal, the Sifri, says, Rashi brings a little bit on the explanation of Tera, what is intended here that was done in the eyes of the Klal Yisrael? The breaking of the Luchais. Meisha took to his heart and he grabbed the Luchais and he destroyed them. Wow. Wow is all we can say. Wow. Mesha took the Luchais, destroyed them, and this is what the Torah finishes off. This is how the Torah final last words discusses the breaking of the Luchas, of the first tablets that Mesha took from HaKadosh Baruch which HaKadosh Baruch himself inscribed. And HaKadosh Baruch agreed, so much so, that it says, when it says in the Torah, that HaKadosh Baruch refers to it, Asheshibarta, that you had broken, Rashi explains that HaKadosh Baruch actually tells Mesha, Yashekoichacho, Sheshibarta, thank you for breaking them. What was Mesha thinking? when he broke the Luchis. Mesha made what's known, we deduce, a Kal V'chemer. What is a Kal V'chemer? I can never find a proper English translation. <laughs> when we take something that's very str- str- very simple, and we say that that is how we behave, then we say definitely by something much more stringent, we would definitely have to behave that way. Moshe learned from the Karben Pesach. One of the 613 mitzvahs, the Karben Pesach, where the Torah tells us, Chol a non-Jew may not eat from the Karim Pesach. So, if a Jew, if a person is not Jewish, they cannot partake of this particular mitzvah. When Moshe came and saw the Jews worshipping the golden calf, Moshe immediately deduced, and he called all the Jews heretics. And because they were heretics, 
Meisha said, I don't understand. If a non-Jew cannot keep any one single mitzvah of the Torah, how do heretics, how, how do we give to the heretic the entire Torah? And therefore they are not fit to get the Torah, and he broke them. That being said, the last thing I would tell you, the breaking of the Luchas, describes as the Jewish nation, the last adjective that I would use for it is complementary. It's far from complementary. It's actually quite derogatory. Why then would the Torah complete, well not, not complete with the Torah, finish off all the five books of the Torah with this happening, with this story, with this episode, with this era? When, let us delve into the story in that case. When did HaKadosh Baruch Hu actually praise Moshe for breaking the Luchas? Not as soon as he broke it, and not the next day. Moshe afterwards went up to the heaven again, and davened for 40 days and 40 nights to the Jews. And then this Pasuk, only when God forgave the Jews, and God told Moshe, now you engrave again another set of tablets, only then did HaKadosh Baruch Hu praise him for breaking the first. Why did HaKadosh Baruch Hu wait so long to praise him for it? If we keep in score at home as a Gemara, Mesech Zara, Dalar on the base, side, page four, side two. There the Gemara tells us. The Gemara tells us, Israel as el the Jews only made the golden calf to open and pave the road for the Balei Tshuva, those who do repent. This is the inner explanation for which HaKadosh Baruch Hu created the Yitzhahara and gave him the capacity to rule over Jews. And to get them to build an eagle. Because only through such a horrific act, only through such a bottomless pit that a person hits the bottom, only then can the person elevate everything through doing tshuva. We spoke last week of the two approaches of tshuva. That the actual sins are now 
considered like they were mistakes, which we still have to pay for, we still have to fix, or if they're actually considered now as schrius, as merits, and thereby we elevated anything that we ever did wrong to get us to even a higher level than even the tzaddik could possibly achieve. This too was the inner essence of Meshe Rabbeinu's intentions by breaking the Luches. Dafka, through going down and breaking the Luches, what did he open, did he make an opening afterwards for the elevation of the second Luches? And the second Luches, as we know, were Keflayim Liteshiyah double in the salvation. Mesha acted like a father that sees his son straying and the father pushes him out of the house. And the father even says words like I'm not your father anymore. I can't be your father the way you act. can't however however what is the father actually trying to get about the father does this the father is trying to father is trying to awaken by the child so the child should call out and say no, 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 I cannot I cannot separate from you I cannot move away from you I need you and everything that I exist I exist only with my father and I don't ever want to be separated or taken away from my father. This is what the Torah emphasizes, that the breaking of the Luchas happened before their very eyes. Everybody saw this. Because Moshe's intentions by breaking the Luchas was not breaking, not destroying, not destruction, Rather that Bnei Yisrael should see that the Luches broke and perhaps, and not perhaps, but definitely they will awaken to repent and to tshuva. In the interim, as we are sitting here in Golos, and we have yet to see this tremendous elevation that took, about, took place for the breaking of the Luches, therefore, the day on which it was broken, the Mishnah, if you keep your score at home, Mesechtas Tainus, Chavov, on the bottom of Amid Aleph, the Mishnah says on the 17th day of Tammuz, the day of fast and repentance. But in the future, when we will achieve proper tshuva, 
these days will be turned over as it says, Yehofuch Yomim Eilul, Yom Zeh, the Sassan and the Simcha, this day will be turned over and will become a Yomtev. And therefore it's praiseworthy. The words, the actions of Meshe Rabbeinu, with which he broke the Luchais, and we praise him at the end of the Tered Dafka, when HaKadosh Baruch Hu shows him his last day, in the last portion, the last place that could possibly be, for the coming, the time of the Geula, we will then have the true revelation, the true elevation of Am Yisrael, and that will only come about only because in that time, in the year 2448, Meshe Rabbeinu had broken the Luchais. And with that, we will then merit, may we merit it today, the Geul Amitis Vashlema, and we will merit to see the greatness of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and how HaKadosh Baruch Hu will show us all the true and all the powerful blessings that he has in store for us, as we say. And thereby, everyone will see, everyone's eyes will be open to be able to see the true greatness of HaKadosh Baruch Hu and the true greatness of the acts of HaKadosh Baruch Hu and how HaKadosh Baruch Hu has only proper intentions for us and how everything that we are doing has a part and parcel of the master plan and although we don't understand how much we believe or what we believe or where we believe HaKadosh Baruch Hu accepts every tear collects every tear and collects every smile and every jump of simcha of joy that a person did over Yamtiv, over Sukkot, over Sukkot and this all is collected in HaKadosh Baruch Hu's archive and stands in our stead. And may we merit that this all brings out open, revealed blessings to each and every one of us. We then begin to embark on Chumash Bereshis once again. The cycle Baruch Hashem never ends. Teda's cycle is perpetual. And it is written in Mishnah Pekhiyavis. If you keep the score at home, it's Pekhiyavis, Mishnah Aleph, Basara, Maimaris, Nivra Ilam. With ten utterings, HaKadosh Baruch Hu created the world. How did God, we'll say, God created the world through utterings. And the Mishnah, very Mishnah asks, could it not be done with un, one uttering? Why did HaKadosh Baruch Hu have to go through the effort of ten utterings? HaKadosh Baruch Hu is omnipotent. HaKadosh Baruch Hu has a never-ending holiness why would he not suffice to do so with only one? 
why did he need to do ten? Says the Mishnah, to yes, to pay back or to castigate the wicked that don't behave on this world for the things that they do to try to destroy the world which was created with Ten Commandments and on the other side to give reward to the righteous that do uphold the world that very same world that was done was created with Ten Utterances in simple words if it was only one utterance only one saying, one letter, which HaGadosh Baruch could have created the world with, the merit would be only for that one thing. Whereas when there are ten, each one gives us reward, and vice versa. Let us grasp what's going on here. We know that HaGadosh Baruch Hu is what's called Taklas HaTayv the ultimate good. How is it possible that HaKadosh Baruch Hu would go to such lengths to create the world with ten utterances in order to give punishment ten times over to the wicked? And another question. The Mishnah first talks about the punishments meted out to the wicked, and only then talks about the reward to the righteous. What does it mean? Maimer Echot, Asara Maimaris, one utterance, ten utterances. What is it all about? The ten being the one that HaKadosh Baruch Hu chose to create the world. HaKadosh Baruch Hu transcends to the world in ten spheres. Which are the ten godly strengths. The way of HaKadosh Baruch Hu to keep the world, to, run, to rule and run the world. Therefore the Mishnah asks one wouldn't have sufficed could he not have done with one? HaKadosh Baruch Hu is never there's no boundary sorry there's no limit to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. and there's no, nothing that forced him to create the world with ten utterances, with ten kaiches, which all could have happened through one. And the real answer for this is there are two separate paths. On one hand, HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted the world in an orderly fashion. And through taking all the ten spheres, highest spheres, 
something that ultimately translates into our world in the way of nature and the order the world in the orderly fashion and to stand perpetually with the capability to elevate through all this through all the natural causes natural ways of creation and to ultimately reach to that one utter utterance the one utterance which is above and beyond the ten where do we see one of these differences the difference between the righteous person and the Balshava the righteous person, the tzaddik puts things in perspective and puts things in their path puts things in order exactly the way the world the world order had to be how a person has to behave, how a person has to act according to HaKadosh Baruch Hu's will Whereas the Balchuva, the one that repents, he is taking now the capacity of a Baruchu that was given to the man to elevate this from all the different levels and orders of world orders, the regular ways, and to reach to a Darga of Chuva which fixes all the sins. So this is what the Mishnah talks about when it refers to Tshuva. HaKadosh Baruch Hu created the world with ten utterances in order to give the capacity Lihipara Lihipara doesn't necessarily mean only to punish them. It's also to pay back. They can pay back a debt. Which the intention is so that they have ten utterances, which is an orderly fashion, which is, has, is something that can be put together piecewise, piecemeal, and be able to give them the strength to repent and to clear the debt which they have accrued with HaKadosh Baruch Hu for their God-forbid sins. And therefore the Mishnah first talks about the Rasha Lihipara is getting paying back and then mentions the Tzaddikim they get reward for the ten things. Because the Rishayim through their doing Tshuva they reach to that much higher of a level than Tzaddikim until we say we mentioned this before the Kibbutz Skorot Hom the Gemara Brachas Lamed Dalet Amid Beis which is that the person where the tzaddik, where the Balchuva stands, even the greatest of tzaddikim cannot stand there. The Balchuva, as they elevate from their order of the world, from their ten utterances, and they bring about that even the, as we said before, the Zainais, Nasale Kizachis, and they become all like schusen, like merits to the person, and thereby, of course, elevating everything that they have done 
although that it had been so severe, and although what they had done was obviously not behavior that is apropos for a Jewish person, apropos for someone connecting to God in heaven, but yet, it is of that high level, of that high caliber, that they can now achieve and accomplish through their doing tshuva and paying back the debt which they cause themselves. With their sins, and where they're going against Hakadosh Baruch Hu Chazeshon. So God takes a break. Six days creates the world. On the seventh day, He rests. We all heard this. We all read it. We all know it. We all stand it almost. Keep scored on the Gemara and Sanhedrin Lamed Ches, the beginning of Lamed Beis. Gemara tells us the sin of the tree of knowledge, the Etadas, and the eviction of other Marishan from Gan Eden This happened in the day that man was created, on the sixth day. This question begs to ask, how is it possible that immediately after that, Teda says, Vayara Likim is called Asher Asa, Vinay Teiv Ma'oid. HaKadosh Baruch was sat back on the sixth day and looked at what he created. And on the other days, the first day, the second, the fourth, the fifth day, he says it was good. On the third day, it says he repeats how good it was. On the sixth day, it says it was Taiv Ma'id, very good. Part of the happenings of this day, of the sixth day, was the other magician eating from the Eitz Hadas and then being thrown out of Gan Eden. Where's your Taiv Ma'id in this? So we look into the Taylor telling us about Taiv Ma'id. different commentaries and there's one question that gets even stronger with the Chazal tell us Tev is the Yetzir Tev Ma'id is the Yetzir Hara or another explanation Tev is the Malach HaChayim the angel of life and Ma'id is the angel of death so the question asks, the Yetzirah and the Malach HaMovis, 
that they made? Really? They are very good? Come on. Let us look into the, the inner intentions of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. By creating the quote-unquote, air-quote, bag, bad. The serpent and the Yitzhara, the Valchamavis, were created also by a Kaddish Baruch Hu. They didn't, they didn't come about through osmosis. And therefore, if it was created by a Kaddish Baruch Hu, it's Tachos Hatev. It's the ultimate good. So we need to find in their essence as well the concept of good. Although on the outside we don't really find anything good about them. What is the Kayach Apnimi? What is the inner strength of their goodness? Shiva. If whether or not for evil, as we said before, one would never be able to accomplish Shiva. So Dafka through this Chaz Baruch Hu created the Yitzhahara so someone could be brought to Chas Shalom Sin as recorded before the Yomara Yuma Kim Yitzchah at home Pevavam and Beis that this Dainas Nasalekha Zochis the sins become merits and this is therefore ultimately when we talk about the Tev Ma'id which it said on the sixth day. All that was created before, and therefore, we have symbolically the Tachlis HaTev and the Shlemus of Bria, as is created through HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And therefore it says, Vayaralikim Ki God saw that it was good. But on the creation of the man with his Yetzirah, as we said, it's very good. Because through this, he can reach and achieve the ultimate goal of the world, which is to do what the person needs to do. And the tzaddik who fights his Yetzirah, the tzaddik who obliterates his Yetzirah, is also because he's against and going up against what he goes up against, the elements-wise, he's achieving what he needs to achieve. There's nothing to talk about. An Aveda is an Aveda. A sin is a sin. That's not good. It's against what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants. But after a person sins and he does tshuva, he elevates everything higher than, as we said before, the level of tzaddikim. And brings in more light than the than he had brought in darkness by doing the sin. And therefore we need the perpetual reminding and lesson to the human being, to the person. The person can always say that it's impossible to come to me with complaints 
Because the Chathchili, you created me with the Yetzirah. If you can keep this going home, we're talking still again. The Gemara Berachas Nandal Ramad Aleph, 54, side 1. You brought me a Yetzirah, which immediately brings me about to doing sin. And therefore, don't complain to me that I didn't have air. That's why the Torah says, Adarabah, just the opposite. The creation of the Yitzhahara is to achieve completion the highest level and the highest service to God. And through this that we do tshuva and we return, we, we turn over everything to become like merits. And this is therefore the greatest part of the creation. Dafka through bringing down sin in the world. Dafka through this we reach the tev, we achieve tev ma'ed, the tachlis hashlemis, and aliyah of the creation, until shlemis to the highest level, which will be the geula mitzvah vashlemis, takeif umiyad mamish immediately. So the tale is now going on and depicting to us how HaKadosh Baruch Hu in six days created this entire world. And where does it come to a climax in the Tera? He finishes. Which then means to say that HaKadosh Baruch Hu finished it on the seventh day. Rashi explains that the boss of Adam does not know future, does not know his what's going to happen to them in the fu- in upcoming future or further future. And therefore they need to add always <coughs> From the mundane to the help to the holy. But Akadosh Baruch knows everything, exactly how things are going to go down, as we say. Air quotes. To the little hair on your head. And this seems as if it all is going to culminate on this day. Because Baruch Hu is involved with the Malacha of the creation, Mamish, until the entering of Shabbos. Till he saw as if Shabbos itself now came into play, into make. need to understand this whole picture here. It's not so picture perfect. Whereas it is correct that according to Allah, there's no iser, no prohibition talking about a hair breadth itself. 
why did HaKadosh Baruch Hu push it to the last to go into Shabbos? More so. The stories of the Torah are not stories. So what is this teaching us? How HaKadosh Baruch Hu worked to the last umpteenth second. Perhaps we could say that this down-to-the-wire act of HaKadosh Baruch Hu involving in the work of the creation until the very last second goes to show us how much we need to endear every second, every moment and utilize it in the ultimate to the ultimate way. If you keep your score at home, Sech the Shabbos, Ayin Zayin Amid Beis, 77, side 2. Nothing in the world was created for naught, for nothing. And our sages say that every chafetz, every item, every talent, every everything that possibly could happen every second, has an emission, has what it needs to be accomplishing in this world. So, how so? Till the very last second going into Shabbos. HaKadosh Baruch Hu shows us, therefore, how every single second involved needs to be taken into consideration. This action makes it easier for us to comprehend and to grasp the, I don't want to use the word severity, but rather the sincerity of every second that the Torah talks about, how we need to fulfill our time with everything always in the ways of Torah. For example, a Jew that is sitting and learning Torah is obligated according to halacha that Rebbe brings down in Hilchus Talmud Torah and Shulchan Arach to save every possible second that one has for learning Torah. His friend, who is a Balasik, a working man. Suffice it to be, he works day, and in the morning he learns something, in the evening he learns something. He was called home, it's given on Menachas, Tzadik Tessam, it is, 99, side 2. But he himself, if he's learning 23 hours and 59 seconds, 59 minutes, and waste only one minute, the last minute, he falls, God forbid, into a consideration, as the Gemara, if he keeps called home in Sanhedrin, Sadiq Tess, the beginning of Amr Aleph says, Devar Hashem Boza. He's desecrating, he's embarrassing the words of God. So what is the holding in here? 
every person has his tafkid, his matara, his mission. Therefore the balaisik, he has to go to work. The yeshiv ayil has to sit and learn. Each one needs to sanctify the moments through what they're doing. The person that's Yeshiv El is sitting and learning, every single word has to be sanctified to God. And the working person, every free moment, has to have to sit and to learn Tera. We get a major lesson from this. We've merited to live in the sixth millennium. Literally, towards the end, a Jew can come and say, what can I do already to add to everything that everyone has done before me? Forefathers, Mesha, prophets, the sages, the Tanoim, the Meroyim, etc., etc. What can I possibly add? Therefore, Kodesh Baruch comes and shows us that on the seventh day, Kechut Hasaira, like the hair breath of the last moment, to show us the intention of every single hair breath is involved to us, and our work is not something that's so simple, not something we can just discard, but this each and every moment that we are here in this world is something that's involved to make sure, fulfill the ultimate mission, to tachlis, tiliyelaf, ashviyah, v'gu'ula, ashlema, to what's known as, we see it, we keep it scored home, the end of Masech, this Tomid, yoyim, shakula yishabes, menucha, lechai, yoyim, may we merit this Shabbos, v'reishas, Shabbos, v'varachim, chaydish, marachajvan, to take to be merit to be in Yerushalayim, in Akedish, with Mashiach, to Kainu, to see the Reino, Bereishenu, good Shabbos to all.